Hello and welcome to CBuzz, a collaboration between the Columbus Chamber, CD1025, and the Columbus Dispatch. We bring you the best stories from Columbus business owners. I am your host, Dan Swartout, and today we are lucky enough to be talking with artist and designer Adam Brulette, the founder of Little Industries. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm very excited to, to have our conversation here today because you are an artist, you are involved actively in the community, and you're also an in- entrepreneur. And I love how those things kind of all interact and play into each other. Before we get really in-depth into your story, could you tell us a little bit about Little Industries, what it is and what you do? Sure. Uh, little Industries is one of the businesses that I own. Um, kind of came out of just people asking me if I could do design work for them, uh, different businesses, starting way back with Patty Cake Bakery and Uh Haiku in the Short North, um, just saying, hey, can you design us a website? Can you uh, make us a menu? And uh, so I kind of formed a little business around it. And then all the other things that I do in terms of community engagement and running events and consulting and speaking at colleges, all that gets wrapped into the, the several industries that are part of the little industries. You are uh, initially an artist. That's what you wanted to do. Could you tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming an artist? Were you interested in that as a child? You went to school for that, I I take it? Yeah. So, I mean, growing up, I always wanted to be an artist, or that's the only focus that I really had. Um, I played in bands and skateboarded and stuff when I was in high school and uh, ended up at Columbus College of Art and Design. And um, my primary source of making a living right now is as an artist Uh and uh, all the other things that I do in terms of community engagement and being a designer those sort of came out of being an artist Um, but I make sure to make maintain a pretty strong studio practice and um, I've you know had shows in galleries all over Columbus and uh, universities around the states Um, I'm selling work uh, through my website and and through galleries uh, across the country um, I've been in some pretty big collections and had the fortune to show in a couple museums. Wow. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that'll ever stop. I'll always first and foremost be an artist. CCAD is what brought you to Columbus. We've had many guests on our show talk about CCAD and what a tremendous asset it is to our community. Could you tell us a little bit about your experience at CCAD and what you think the Columbus College of Art and Design brings not only to the artistic community in Central Ohio, but also the business community? Sure, definitely. I like When I got to CCAD, I think I had a very different perception of what I was going to do. I, I drew comic books and cartoons, uh-huh. and I always thought that that was what I would, I would go into a career drawing comics or cartoons for some company, a Marvel, a DC, a, you know, an independent press or right. something like that. And the further I got along with it, the more CCAD taught me about how I think and how I work and how I learn. And uh, the education that I was getting, though I was dealing with like how to make a sculpture or how to, you know, design something in two dimensions or how to set typefaces, uh, it actually got me to think a lot more about like how, how do I work in terms of process mm-hmm. and uh, I fell in love with printmaking. I, I worked in the screen printing lab at CCAD um, three of the four years that I was there and I started learning that like printmaking is this thing where you have like layer by layer process mm-hmm. of you, you know you start with an idea you separate the idea into different layers and then you have to execute each layer 
in order to get a good result on a final piece. And everything has to line up and you have to make sure that you do your diligence, you know, each time. And then I started applying that to other things and like in terms of business, in terms of running companies, in terms of organizing, uh, you know, community organizations, collectives, nonprofits and things that I work with, that it's all about like taking step by step and Mm -hmm. kind of dissecting your thinking. Um, And that's kind of when the entrepreneurial spirit kind of caught me is like now I'm I know how to think about this stuff and I know how to dissect my own uh, skills and abilities. Uh, How can I apply that to something that's going to make money or cause change uh, socially? I think that's something that CCAD is very underrated at doing. You have all these kids that come that you're like, oh, great, they can paint or they can draw. But that critical analysis and, and, uh, you know, the creative thinking is something that I think that uh, outside of art school is waning. Um, right. When you, when you go to, you know, community college or a state university, um, they're they're teaching a lot about like, hey, memorize these books or or even kids in high school are learning, you know, to take standardized tests where at art school you're learning not about um, facts and figures, but you're learning like how do you think and how do you how do you uh, create new directions and change ideas and uh, analyze things. And I think as a, a trainer for businesses or, or something uh, that businesses could use, even the chamber could use, could, you know, the, the larger corporations, I think there's a strong need for critical analysis and for people that can think outside the box. And that's what art school does. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, teaching you to not think like everybody else, which is uh, – sometimes frowned upon you know <laughs> but by and large i think if we're gonna if we're gonna solve the problems of the world you gotta you have to have those people that can think outside the box sure and and you mentioned a phrase before we started recording you, you mentioned the term accidental business and that that's kind of your story a little bit could you share what that means yeah i maybe it's one of those things that ccad uh didn't teach you like you know like when I went to school and I, I don't know it's probably different now but um you know I graduated in 2002 so that's forever ago um but <laughs> it seems that way doesn't it yeah but you know I was playing in bands and I was making paintings and then all of a sudden you sell a couple paintings to some people that like your work and then you have money and you're like wait how do I report taxes right and, and then same being in a band, you go out and you're touring and you're selling albums to make gas money to go to the next city. And like, you have to sell you, you don't have a choice, but to be a business merch. Uh, yeah. And you, you like learn how to be a salesperson. You learn how to talk to people and get them to understand sort of what you're about and why they would want to, you know, pay for part of what you're doing. And the further that got along and definitely, you know, several years out of school, I started realizing like, wait a minute, I'm I'm making like a lot of money selling paintings and I'm, uh, I'm selling online and I need to understand the business part of it. And I think maybe some of it is, uh, part of my natural ability. Like I have some business ability, mm-hmm. but, um, but I started really getting into learning about how other businesses work, starting to talk to other business people and, and partnering with other businesses and trying to understand like, how do you manage the the sales world or how do you keep customer bases? And, it's never something that when you go to art school you think, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn how to be a business person. But you end up being that anyway. When did you first? Because I, I remember growing up, 
the kids that had like a real artistic ability and you could see that even as far back as elementary school who could draw and who like me could not draw uh, when did you first uh, recognize or realize that you had a real talent for art uh I'll be really critical of myself in this, and and I've always said that I'm not, I'm not like a painter, uh-huh. even though I make paintings and I sell paintings, and that's like how I make my primary living. I don't think of myself as a painter. A painter is somebody who loves making brush marks. A painter is somebody who understands, you know, mixing colors in a certain way and like wants to analyze how light affects things. And like I don't do that. I make cartoons. Like I, I. I'm really good at assembling my ideas. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a narrator, uh-huh. I'm a, a storyteller. Um, art in terms of, you know, when I was in elementary school, high school, I was never the best artist in class. I was never the, the art star, but I always had a strong interest for it. And sort of my encouragement to other kids that are like, well, you know, I think I like this, but I don't know that I'm necessarily good at it. Like really, it's a practice makes perfect sort of thing. Sure. You know, I play drums in a band right now, but I'm not a drummer. Like drummers are people that go to Columbus Percussion and hang out and, you know, talk about the sounds that different cymbals make. I hit drums. I, <laughs> you know, and I think th- I think that that's part of it is if you stop thinking of yourself as like artist and with a capital A and instead think of artists like what does that mean? How does that apply? It's allowed me the flexibility of taking how I think and work as an artist to being a business person or to being a musician or to you know, any other aspect of community organization or involvement that I have, it's, it's thinking in a certain way. It's not necessarily saying I'm important capital A artist. Um, and I, I think even when I was in school at CCAD, I never had, I wanted to learn. I wanted to, right. I wanted to know information. I didn't ever have the chip on my shoulder that was like, Oh, I already know how to paint. It was like, I don't know how to paint. So teach me everything you can. And, you know, I had some great teachers that knew that I wasn't the best student, but I was the one that wanted to learn the most. And I think that that's an important uh, important aspect of how I've gotten to where I am. So even in the world of art, where so many people talk about innate ability, hard work and persistence really pays off. Definitely. I, you know, that tortoise and the hare story, uh, like the tortoise always wins the race. That narrative never changes. And if I, you know, if people credit me for anything uh, in that I've done in Columbus or as an artist or whatever. I just want it to be perseverance. Like uh-huh. it's, it's, you know, running multiple studios. Every time one closes, the new one opens, uh, having festivals that have run for, you know, 10 years, having uh, events that have gone on for a long time, uh, being, making consistent work and showing consistently is much more important to me than like getting one big show that just, you know, you're a flash in the pan then. I would rather just long haul, slow, just keep going. And sometimes bad things happen, sometimes good things happen, but like that shouldn't stop you. You shouldn't rest on laurels. You should keep going. Grinding. Yeah. Now you come out of CCAD, 2002, you said you graduated. What was your initial work like? What were you doing then? What were you hoping to do? Obviously you fell into this accidental business, but what were your plans coming out? You get the, you get the degree in 2002. What exactly happens next for Adam? Yeah. So rather than just when I got out of school, about two years before I graduated school, um, I was making work a lot 
that looked a lot like uh, Derek Hess, who's a pretty well-known uh, poster artist uh-huh. from, from Cleveland. And he, um, he was kind of like my inspiration. I was doing all these things thinking like, oh, I want to do that. But it was never what I did growing up. You know, I, I grew up reading Calvin and Hobbes and loving cartoons and uh, the book The Little Prince and, you know, things, things that were not uh, fine arty. Um, and when I got to fine art school, then all of a sudden I felt like I had to switch my work and I started making this Derek Hess-esque work. Mm-hmm. And I was really unhappy with it. And right before my senior thesis show, um, I ended up changing everything. And I started drawing this really rudimentary, like stick figure character um, and started making all my work that way. And I had teachers that were mad at me. I had other teachers that said, hey, this is great. This Uh is more in line with what you do. So by the time I got out of school, the work that I was making was, for lack of a better way of saying it, it was bad. It was (laughs) like it was brand new. I was like discovering Uh like what how do I blend what I always liked to do when I was younger with what I should be doing as an adult? How do I turn this rudimentary character into something that people can understand and relate to? How can I use it to tell the narratives that I want? And so my work kind of developed really quickly from the time I graduated school until about uh, 2006. Um, I went through like a really rapid, you know, I was making probably 200 pieces a year. Wow. um, A lot of work. And you were I, prolific. Yes. And I was showing a lot. I was having, you know, probably more than a dozen shows a year. Wow. Um, and I just was trying to get work out as fast as I could. And then once I started getting an understanding of like what the way my work was being made and what I wanted to do with it, it started and it, it, it started to kind of like slow down and take a life of its own. And then I could focus on um, what m- sort of markets do I want to belong in? Uh-huh. Like, uh, I like doing large-scale painting, murals, things like that, but there's not as big of a market for that. So I wanted to have things that were available for sort of the young professional crowd, people that were my age that were working at limited brands or, you know, one of the one of cardinal the, right people that had money but not enough to buy a you know a ten thousand dollar painting <laughs> right. And then slowly as time has gone on, you know, those people bought prints from me or those people bought small paintings, and now it's allowed me to now that they're creative directors or department heads at those places, they have more money and they're coming back and they're saying, hey, I would really like to buy a $5,000 painting. And so it's allowed me to change my work and make less work, but spend a lot more time on the work, uh-huh. which, which has allowed the work to develop um, significantly, I, I would say. Like, I feel like I am doing what I want to do now. That's kind of fascinating because you mentioned that you're building these relationships with people in various companies and as you are growing as an artist they are growing within their company and that relationship continues and blossoms for you and for them that sounds like almost any facet of business as well as art definitely and I and I think of art as that like if you're if you're again an artist with a capital A that you put yourself on a pedestal you think that you're outside of what everybody else is doing from plumbers to construction workers, janitors, coffee workers, you know, like those are people that are providing services. And I don't think of art as being this um, elitist sort of thing. Like a lot of people want to say, oh, well, art isn't a necessity for life like, like a grocery store worker is or a janitorial service. And I disagree. I think that art is necessary for life. And I think that 
the work that musicians and artists do has a lot to do with the quality of life. Or even if you take something like the perception of the city, um, you know, 2002, when I got out of school, I had probably, I'd say 60 or more percent of my graduating class left and went to New York, LA, Chicago. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. So keep going, because this is exactly what I was going to go (laughs) next, is why Columbus for an aspiring artist such as yourself? Yeah, and I think that that perception is that, you know, artists that wanted to go off and be part of that pool of the sort of capital A artists on a pedestal and wanted to go live in New York, there's no shame in that. Like, I'm not not faulting people for wanting to do that. But here, if we live in a city that didn't have a very good sense of itself and all of a sudden the uh, quality of life could be raised and the perception of the city could be informed by the creative industries that are here, the music culture, the comedy culture, yes. the, the uh, you know artists and designers, and then look at the backbone that we have of great companies like Ology and Resource and Limited Brands and Abercrombie and, you know, we have fashion and we have uh, design and we have great architects, but we didn't realize that we have it. And you start talking about it in a way and and changing the perception that general public has about um, how they can interact or how those companies or individuals can all work together. And you start partnering up and say, you know, I, I get a chance to do a project with a, with a Falgren or something. Mm-hmm. Um, or I've, I'm currently working on a project with Design Group and Schooley Caldwell Architects. And, you know, you get an architecture, two architecture firms and an artist together and you start brainstorming. That would be really hard to do in a New York, or right. Chicago, and L.A. And here, because we're talking to each other on an even playing field, and I'm not an artist, capital A, and they're not an architect, capital A. It's just we're all here making stuff happen together. I think it changes the way that um, that the general public perceives the way that their city works right. together. And then when you tie that into all the the sort of social entrepreneurship uh, or the the community organizations and nonprofits and things that are in town, and you have you know, organizations that are partnering with corporations, that are partnering with the city, that are partnering with individuals, you have a real, like an actual sea change of the way people see their city. So, you know, by 2012, in a 10-year period from the time I graduated college, all of a sudden you see people wearing shirts that, you know, Columbus Pride shirts and people saying that they want to stay here. And then all of a sudden I noticed the kids that left you know, for New York or LA or Portland or wherever are all now moving back to Columbus. And I know Columbus has a history of being a city that people move back to, to raise families, but this is different. This is people moving back because Columbus is smart. It's thinking in a way that is uh, progressive and it's thinking in a way that's collaborative. And and I think that that's really, um, you know, a lot to do with the creative industries in Columbus. I agree with you 100% as a performer myself who's been based in central Ohio for the last, you know, for my entire life. You can see a, a true partnership and collaboration between the business community and the artistic community. The business community supports the arts. They work together. I know recently you did a an, an artistic business project for the Columbus Chamber. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, it's another great example of... Uh, 
I worked with Delara Casey and she uh, was with the chamber at the time and we were talking about ways that we could get Independence Day in the chamber to work together, Independence Day Festival. Um, and so we sort of invented this project that would be a way to get CEOs to provide quotes and then artists would illustrate it and then we were going to make posters that would end up showing at Independence Day Festival. Timeline-wise, it didn't work out, so uh, Delara ended up running it with the GCAC uh, through the um, art of, uh, the uh, the business, uh, I guess it's their annual meeting. The annual meeting, yeah. yeah. And so they uh, ended up showing all the posters, and I got to be one of the artists and help find a couple of the other artists, and it was really great. It's exactly what we're talking about. It's a CEO from a you know, a big company Huge companies. working with an artist to design something that then shows that there is that partnership and it makes the annual convention for a, you know, business chamber that much more pleasurable, you know, quality of life wise, our Columbus chamber of commerce is putting artwork. When you walk in, if you go to, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, I doubt that they have some sort of cool creative club no offense to omaha nebraska but I, there goes our omaha listenership yeah. but it's a, it's a yeah but it's a raise in the quality of life you know it's a it's it's a change in the sure. perception of uh what a business meeting should be like what's the am, annual chamber meeting supposed to look like well it doesn't have to look boring it doesn't have to you know it looked awesome yeah and and i think that that's um, you know, a testament to those sorts of partnerships popping up. You mentioned Independence Day, and initially this was a thought about Independence Day. That is a community festival that has grown in stature and size over the last few years. You are on, you were on the ground floor of that, one of the people behind that initially and still to this day. Could you tell us a little bit about Independence Day and some of the other involvements you have in the community? Sure. Yeah, I mean, there was sort of a big run-up getting out of school. Um, I know we're jumping uh, all over the place no, here. That's the way my life goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, getting out of school, I don't know that I really, I, I didn't see a group of people that I could talk to the way that I talked to. I had a very tight-knit group of people in college that, you know, we collaborated on ideas and put on shows together. And when I got out of school, I felt like I was missing that. And um, I was invited to be uh, a member of a studio building over in Grandview called Junction View Studios. Yes. Um, and we put together a group called the Couch Fire Collective that ended up putting on shows. That group ended up sort of becoming sort of a beating heart of that building and helping uh, put on dozens and dozens of events. Um, one of the biggest events that we did was called Agora. That event happened uh, 10 times, uh, so we ended up having a series of 10 of those. Um, Couch Fire Collective changed and grew and started getting uh, recognition from the city. The city ended up coming to Couch Fire, uh, Mike Brown at uh, at the time was with the mayor's office mm -hmm. not, now with experience Columbus. And he, uh, he said, Hey, could you guys do this downtown? Um, people like, uh, Chuck Hootman and Tim Lesnar were, you know, opening tip top, uh, downtown. And they were like, Hey, let's, you know, have a street party down on gay street, Pearl Alley. The Pearl Alley market had just started up. Um, Duomichi and Brioso were, were down there. And it kind of was like, Hey, let's just throw a street festival. So a bunch of members of couch fire collective got together and then everybody was, you know, there were a lot of enthusiastic people, right? And, you know, sort of the Wolf Star and Andrew Dodson and Aaron Corrigan and Alexis Perone and all these different people started glomming on and saying like, "Hey, like we want to help," and they all had different skills and abilities. So Andrew Dodson was really involved in the music community. Aaron Corrigan and Alexis Perone were helping out with the volunteers. Uh, Wolf Star is sort of the superstar of helping uh, fundraising and and you know putting right. businesses and partnerships together. Um, so then all of a sudden we had this little superhero force of like 
these people that are invested in their community from different creative industries and different businesses. And, uh, you know, over the first five years we were downtown, um, and downtown ended up growing so much in that area that mm-hmm. we outgrew the area that we were in. Um, so we moved over to Franklinton and partnered with some of the great organizations that are over there, the Columbus Idea Foundry, 400 West Rich. Uh, we made friends with the guys from Land Grant Brewing. The Bandarelli Room is there. Rehab Tavern is there. It is a really, it's an area that has just uh, grown so much in the yeah. last few years. So many cool things happening down there. Yeah. So in that three years then, you know, we realized that we were losing the backdrop of uh the, the state building, you know, the state house behind our main stage. Uh-huh. And so we're going over to Franklinton where there's like the old Riverside Bradley lot. Like, how do we make that look nice? And that's when we really made a concerted effort to start reengaging artists in the community and sort of stole ideas from, you know, Burning Man type things, but did it on a, a more local flavor and a local level and just started asking people to create things. And that turned into marketplaces and different zones and these giant uh, art sculptures and comedy and fashion and dance and all these different music? groups. All, music, you know, 96 bands this last year. It was year. amazing. Yeah, and the more it grows, again, it's accidental business. You start with a street party, and then the next thing you know, you're running a $200,000 festival. <laughs> and fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, we have a board of people and, uh, and an organizing team that is willing to think about uh, maintaining the creative and artistic integrity, but at the same time being responsible with the the funds and making sure that sure. we uh, handle sponsorships and uh, grants and things like that in creative ways where instead of just uh, say, hey, you know, we want you to be a sponsor, pay us X amount of dollars and we'll put you in the program. Instead, it's like, hey, let's actually design something for your company to show off what you're doing. So getting artists uh, that are working in our organization to work with Orange Barrel Media or to work with Donato's Pizza or to work with Jenny's Ice Cream, it ends up being a more enriching experience where those companies get to participate, um, where we get to show our support for those companies and and those companies get to show support for the creative community. And as much as, uh, you know, the festival was called Independence Day, hey, let's gather all the independents on one day and have everybody do what they do but do it on the same day and time. Um, Now it's become almost a misnomer where it's, you know, we have so many people working together in partnership. It, it, we're hardly independent, <laughs> though we do maintain our independent integrity. Sure. Like it's so much about partnerships and friendships and artists working together with each other, artists working together with businesses. Um, it's really, it's been a, a fun ride. Again, just another example, Independence Day, the festival, of the tremendous collaboration between the artistic and the business community. Uh, we're jumping around a lot with your story because your story is fascinating. We've gone a long way, and we've barely touched upon your business, Little Industries. You have such a tremendous story, so many interesting things to talk about, uh, especially a different perspective than a lot of our guests. Could you tell us a little bit about the growth of of little industries how that kind of came about i'm assuming it was another accidental business yeah you know i like i mentioned before i started with a patty cake bakery and a haiku in the short north and those are pretty trendy places yeah and they're friends of mine i mean I i met them you know putting on events and patty cake would bring cookies to one of the agora events and i was like hey i like these people i like what they're about i like what their business is doing and then they'd come and say hey we like your artwork and i was like well why don't we work on some labels and a menu and um you know they've excuse me, they've maintained, uh, you know, I've maintained a great friendship with them. And 
I think because I'm not, it's not my primary business to be a designer. Um, it allows for those businesses to use me when they need me mm-hmm. and, and me not to be high pressure sales. I'm, right. I'm here for what you need. If you want to work with somebody else for one portion or another, that's fine. Um, there's companies that I've worked with over the, over the years that have grown big enough that they now have in-house designers. I work with you know, people doing small things. I'm doing a sign today I'll be putting up for uh, Bare Root Floral, um, which is uh, in the old Ecoflora space. Like, I'm just putting a sign on the window. If she needs me for more things, she knows where to find me. Right. Um, but it's all through friendly partnerships. And uh, my business has always sort of been um, word of mouth. Like, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't really promote my business other than just the work that I do. And I do a lot of, um, like, social enterprise work. So I work with a lot of nonprofits, a lot of small startups or um, people that have ideas. So when the Parklet project started up, I designed a logo for them and now they're on to bigger and better things and changed the name. And, but like, I want to help create identities around things that help the community get better. Um, I do a lot of work for nonprofits. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've, I take projects with the Columbus foundation or groups like benefactor group, which is a a fundraising consultancy that works with a bunch of nonprofits and they end up being great partners. Um, I, I worked, uh, like I said before, doing some consulting work, helping businesses find artwork for locations. So just through the years, I've gotten to know enough artists around town that when a business says, Hey, I'm looking for a mural or I'm looking for a series of small paintings. Like we know a guy, I know where to find all those things. And I don't have the, the kind of ego to say like every time somebody asks me for a painting that I'm going to make that painting, I would rather find the right painting for the type of business or the type of environment they're in. And if that means helping find a younger artist that's, uh, you know, needs some exposure and needs some, uh, some financial backing, somebody buying a thousand dollar painting from a kid getting out of school is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And knowing that I could find those people and help them learn how to how that student or that graduate could like make an invoice and start a company and start thinking of themselves as a business person. That's like direct attract and retain where I, where I can actually educate somebody on how to stick in town and how to last as an artist Um, and partnering businesses with uh, new, new artists and individuals is better than me just constantly trying to sell my own work. Um, So that kind of consultancy has been fun. Um, I end up speaking up colleges. I've gone around to right. uh, a couple different schools, not just locally, but um, out to Wisconsin and uh, Michigan and talking at schools about like how to be an entrepreneur, how to think about what you do as an artist, to, you know, how does that apply to being a business? Um, all those little things like little industries itself. Like I, I'm a web designer, but I don't even have a website for my own company. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of purposeful. Like right. I don't want my life to be taken over by that type of work. I like knowing that I can do that type mm-hmm. of work. And if a new festival, like I'm on the board for uh, Cartoon Crossroads Columbus, which happens in October, it's a huge cartoon festival. And they didn't have anybody to design a website. So I'll design a website. And then they get on their feet and get going. And then pretty soon they can find somebody who is like a much more technical web designer. You know, like I said before, I paint, I'm not a painter. Well, I can make websites, but I'm not a web designer. Okay. Web designers are people that like love staring at code and <laughs> I, I can tolerate it. But um, so it just, it's nice to have all these little things that I do behind the scenes. Right. That then at the end of the year, I can look back and when I'm filing my taxes, I'm like, whoa, I did a bunch of weird stuff and, you know, made money from it. And it was enough to be a supplemental income. Um, 
my big new venture, which I hope you don't mind if I mention I it. I would love for you to mention <laughs> it. Uh, my wife and I uh, just moved into an old Napa Auto Parts downtown. Um, after nine years of running Junction View Studios and three years of running a building called Taco Cat Cooperative, both of which were owned by NRI and both of which we got uh, eventually booted out of in, uh, to make way for the Grandview Yard development. Right. Uh, my wife and I just recently went and took a loan out and we are building uh, 16 studios. Allison Rose Screen Printing is moving with us. Wow. We have a co-working space, two galleries, a wood shop, um, and then we're living in the building. So it's kind of like this physical uh, version of this business arts partnership. Yeah. Finding ways to get people to move into the building. And, you know, some are established artists that are prominent in the community and some are kids that just got out of school that are trying to figure out how to make what they do work. And then you have businesses, uh, designers, um, in the co-working space. Um, and then you have uh, companies like Allison Rose, which are very public facing, mm-hmm. um, that just want to be in a collaborative environment and a creative environment. This is such an interesting perspective from a CBuzz guest, because many of our guests are single, you know, they have a single focus on their business. This is what I do. My focus is growing on this business. It is 100% of my efforts, 100% of my energies. You have many irons in many different fires, which I'm sure is true of quite a few entrepreneurs. How do you manage to juggle all of that at, at one time? I'm sure there are times you're like, oh, I, I was supposed to be doing this and I ended up doing that. And, and how do you keep everything that is on your table? How do you keep it straight? I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. Some, <laughs> sometimes I think it's like just something that I I have that's part of my personality is being able to like multitask. Uh-huh. And, um, some of it is being able to compartmentalize. A lot of it is, has to do with that, like that tortoise versus the hare mentality right. of just like bad things happen. Keep going. You know, I've been part of major projects. I was, I was the executive director of Wonderland and Wonderland was a thing and it came and it was a big deal. And then it turned into nothing. And like, I could have folded up and quit or I could just keep going and do new things. And I think some of that's entrepreneurial spirit. It's, hey, you know, if you create success out of three of 10 projects, you're doing well kind of thing. Like, I have I feel like I've got a pretty good success rate on sure. what I'm doing, but I don't have any assumptions that what I'm gonna do is always going to be right or that I'm, you know, always gonna be able to put 100% effort into something. Different organizations that I join and I'm part of, I try to let them know right off the bat, like, I'm, I will be here when you need me, and when you don't need me, I'll be doing something else that needs me. And as I get older, I, you know, it's a little, I'm, I'm 36, so it's, you know, I'm not at the age where I like feel like I need to quit doing all this stuff and, you know, focus singularly on one thing. But as I get older, I do find myself like, I can't make 200 pieces of artwork in a year. It's just not, it's not realistic. What a rate that is. Yeah, and you know, that was 23, 24 year old me yeah. running around like a crazy person, constantly <laughs> making things. And, you know, some of it is uh, being able to slow down and have the responsibility of being married and, you know, knowing that I'm running a, a festival with a bunch of people that uh, they have a need for me to be there. And, and you can't just willy nilly do whatever you want whenever you want. You have responsibility. And I don't mind that responsibility. Uh, I don't know how I keep focused on it. In this last two months, as we're opening Block Fort, moving our apartment, uh, running that fest, I ran 
Independence Day Festival mm-hmm. with, the, with the team that runs it. And I run Chalk the Block out at Easton by myself. Um, and just juggling all those different things while construction's going on at the new building and still selling and making artwork and being part of, I've had three exhibitions over the last two months. And, uh, you know, it's it's crazy. Like, there's definitely times that I think my wife would <laughs> like me to just sit on the couch. <laughs> no time for sleep. Yeah. But she's busy too. You know, she's uh, working at the North Market as the office manager, and she's constantly putting on events. And, and I think that that feeds into it too, is having a partner or having friends, you know, the the Andrew Dodson's and Wolf Stars of the World that are running around like crazy people doing a million things too. And then it kind of makes it easier because everybody's doing that. Everyone's doing yeah, it. Everybody's busy and everybody understands like, Hey, if we if our friend lunch meeting ends up turning into ninety percent business and ten percent friend, like that's not because we don't like each other. It's just because <laughs> you know we're all busy people and we're we're doing good things. So um, we'll see what happens. You know, over the next several years, I don't know how I don't know when the slowdown period is. Uh-huh. I admire people like you know one of my heroes is Denny Griffith, the former president of CCAD. You know, he ran and ran and ran and built that college into something amazing. And then as he got closer to retirement, he's like, you know, I just want to, I want to paint. Yeah. You know, I I don't know that I'm at that point yet, but at some point I'll probably get there and just say like, hey, I just want to be an artist and I'm going to go in my studio and be an artist and, you know, have my little corner and I don't know. We'll see what happens. Still doing gigs as a musician? I am. We're actually playing tonight. Oh, right on, (laughs) right on. Yeah. Where where can we find um, where can we find more about you, Adam? Online? I mean, you said you didn't have a website have, for Little Industries, but I'm sure you're involved yeah, big time in social media. Yeah, social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. I do have a personal website, AdamBrulette.com, that just is sort of a landing page for people trying to find me. Um, has my artwork posted? Maybe a little bit about uh, ways to find my band and ways to find you know, you know Block Fort, the b- business that I'm starting. Um, Independence Day, those sorts of things. But um, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not a hard person to find. I'm, <laughs> I'm around enough. So. I, you know, I feel like, uh, like I said, we've barely scratched the surface with so many ventures, so many things that you're doing. Is there anything, is there anything we haven't touched on yet that you'd like to talk about? Hmm. I, I think maybe the way I feel about uh, like kids in general. Yes. I had this really great moment uh, two nights ago. We were having a debrief for Independence Day. Um, and there are all these kids that you know are 23, 24, maybe 27 is the oldest. And there are kids that a couple of years ago were graduating. I got them involved in Independence Day. And we had this debrief meeting and everybody's standing around. And I was listening to some of these people that are 23, 24, and they're talking about the teams that they were running this year. You know, three years ago, they were on my team. Right. And I led them and now they're running things. And like, I, if this is a business podcast, I encourage businesses to reach out to kids that are 23 and 24 and Uh that have these, these ideas. You know, I, I don't mind getting interviewed for things and I don't mind, you know, being put in the paper and stuff like that. But at the same time, so many people in town with so many good ideas and a lot of them are young. Right. And and they may be a little fumbly at first or, you know, we all were. Yeah. Be wide eyed. And, you know, they have a million ideas and they don't know how to slow down, but like, uh, progress happens from that, that stuff. And I think that 23 year old me looks at, you know, 23 year old them and says, Hey, these kids, they know what they're doing. And I'm, you know, there's some people like, uh, 
Chris Blaine and Mandy Kasky and Max McAvoy and Logan Schmidt, like these kids that are getting out of school that, you know, five years from now, you'll be reading articles with them in it and they'll be the ones running the festivals. And, and then, you will have heard about them here first on Buzz. <laughs> and then I We're can drop an exclusive. Yeah, then I can go and I can paint in the corner and they, <laughs> they can run things. <laughs> paint in the corner and drum. Yeah. Adam Brulette, this has been a, a tremendous discussion. Thank you so much for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to come and spend a little time with us and, and share some insights for our listeners. It's been a really fascinating and unique perspective about Columbus, about art, about business, about the drive it takes to succeed. So thank you so much, Adam. I appreciate it. And thank you for listening to CBuzz. If you love our show, please make sure you drop us a rating or a review on iTunes. It helps more people find our show. Of course, five-star reviews are appreciated. Anything less than that, you can just keep that to yourself. Signing off for CBuzz, I am your host, Dan Swartout. CBuzz is a collaboration between the Columbus Chamber, CD1025, and the Columbus Dispatch. CBuzz is produced by Delara Casey, engineering by Mark Pasternak from Jump Goat Media, and the recording studio provided by the good folks folks here at GrooveU. Thank you to our partners. Thank you to Adam. What a tremendous discussion. And uh, thanks to you for listening. We will catch you next time here on CBuzz with another great story.